You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. You know, I look up, and and this is 2020, COVID, whatever, like 101. Days don't exist. I looked up, and it just a couple weeks flew by. We haven't talked in a while. And so I want to bring you guys a nice long pod uh, to apologize, but also we have a lot to talk about on the SMU front. And uh, a newsy week, really, after SMU's win over Navy. Uh, a big win for SMU in many ways. I mean, one... You, you bounce back from the loss to Cincinnati. You get a win over Navy, which is always very difficult to do. But you did it in, in a couple different ways, and we'll touch on those. But uh, SMU had a player enter the transfer portal this week. We had some basketball news uh, as well, an injury note to, to bring to you guys. And we also have uh, some recruiting updates that I want to share with you guys. So we're going to do all that uh on this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. So thanks for joining me, Billy Embody. And uh, we're, we're going to jump right in, I think, with the news of the week, which is SMU backup quarterback Terrence Gibson entering the transfer portal. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard, and me for sure. I mean, I think that when you look at Terrence Gibson, who's been sitting behind Shane Bouchel uh, for the last year and a half now, and that's expected, right? He's going to be your backup quarterback. He's he's not going to overtake Shane Bouchel. No one on the roster is. But on Saturday night when he got into the game against Navy, he drops back to pass. He scrambles. He's picking up positive yardage. I think he got credited for an eight-yard run, but he fumbled. He was careless with the football. Navy poked it out. They get the ball. They go down and score. Navy has life. And that was right after Navy had scored a touchdown. So Sonny Dykes pulled him right, right away. And... Uh, went back to Shane Bouchel and the rest of the starters. SMU got the job done, won the game. And I, I think one, I think people read a lot into the garbage time touchdowns. I didn't really read into it that much. Um, you know, SMU was in complete control of that game. I mean, it would have been a really, 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 it would have been, I think it probably would have been, I don't know what the largest comeback in NCAA history is. I didn't look it up before I started talking about this on the pod, but it, it probably would have been the largest comeback like in NCAA history. Um, if, if SMU would have blown a 51, I think it was a 51-17 point lead at that point. I think Navy scored 21 unanswered, so uh, somewhere around there uh, to, to end up with the 51, uh, you know, 38, I think it was, win over Navy. But anyway, uh, SMU pulls them. They go back to Shane Bouchelle. And Terrence Gibson was not happy on the sideline. Obviously, uh, you get pulled after going in for some garbage time, which is kind of in 2020, it's been rare that SMU has been able to go to the backups because early in the year when they built a big lead against UNT and SFA, they were still trying to get their timing down because they hadn't seen live reps against any uh, any any defenses, really. The offense, and you, you factor in that the offense was out of sync in general, I think, and you wanted them to get some reps. So... For the first time, I mean, SMU was looking at some serious garbage time. It looked like, you know, Terrence Gibson would have gotten pretty much the whole fourth quarter to operate the offense. Maybe Derek Green gets there in there at the end, but he doesn't because he fumbles the football right away. And, you know, Navy had capitalized at that point and scored two, two straight touchdowns. You can't go in there and fumble the football 
on what was your first off. I think it was his first offensive snap and just give it right back. And, you know, it didn't look like SMU was going to play conservative with him either because he dropped back to pass. So um, I think his frustration was kind of boiled up in not maybe getting some of the reps he probably would have liked early in the season uh, in some of those garbage time situations. I think as a competitive player with Terrence having missed his basically his entire senior year after tearing his ACL, he comes into a situation where Shane Bouchelle gets brought in as a grad transfer. He probably thought he was going to have a chance to really, really compete for the starting job, you know, as a true freshman, uh, even though he was coming off of uh, the knee uh, injury. But instead, Shane Bouchelle comes in, and now he's sitting behind somebody who's at least a starter for last year and this year. And that's got to be frustrating. And so I think Monday he went into Sonny Dyke's office and kind of looked at his future, talked about it, and he opts to enter the transfer portal. And with Preston Stone, who, by the way, is having an unreal year uh, at Parrish Episcopal, if you haven't checked out his latest uh, win, it was a huge comeback win for Parrish over John Paul the second. Uh, check it out. It's on Pony Stampede the last two minutes. Uh, shout out Coach uh, Novikov, Novikov for uh, putting that up on, on Twitter. It's pretty pretty unbelievable. Um, but with Preston Stone coming in in January, Derek Green had already really been, I mean, if you depending on who you talk to, you know, on the sources side of things, Derek Green had already pretty much made his uh, like claim to the backup quarter, quarterback job. Like if Shane Bouchelle went down with a season-ending season ending injury, they would probably have serious discussions about if it would be Derek Green or Terrence Gibson rather than just saying, okay, Terrence Gibson got the call. Terrence Gibson needs live game reps right now, um, and that's why they put him in. It didn't work out, obviously. Uh, and so I think they came to the conclusion that it would be best for him to find another place to go play. So where does that leave SMU? I think, one, I mean, Derek Green is your your backup quarterback. Will Brown would be an emergency backup. They've got Jacob Overlean, uh, who's been in the program a few years now. But um, they're really high on Derek Green. I mean, he's put on scholarship for a reason. He's son of Trent Green, former Super Bowl winning quarterback, and you know, also former teammate of uh, Danielson Ike back at Kansas City Rockhurst before you know becoming teammates again at SMU. But anyway, Trent Green's really done a nice job staking his claim to the backup quarterback job long before this happened. So that's your quarterback situation now. It wouldn't shock me in the offseason if they did go grab a transfer quarterback, depending on what happens with Shane Bouchelle, just for some depth. You know, there are certain guys that would love to come in as a grad transfer, maybe, you know, compete, I think, in the first couple years for the starting job with, with Preston Stone and, and figure that out or, you know, just be program guys. I mean, there there are, uh, you know, you look back over the summer and we reported Michael Johnson Jr.'s interest in coming to SMU. And why would anyone want to come to SMU when you've got Preston Stone committed? You're leaving Penn State uh, to to try and find playing time you've got Shane Bouchelle coming back and you're going in as a graduate transfer. So anyway, anyway, there are people that want to be around this offense. And uh, I, I think the quarterback situation going into this year really says a lot about that. Um, and now Terrence Gibson moving on. Best wishes to him. I think he's probably going to have to drop down a level. Uh, either FCS, maybe like a Sam Houston State. Um, I don't see him. I mean, he there, there are a few places I could see him landing, but I don't really see him staying at or going to above the level of the AAC. So we'll see. Um, I know he wants to get closer to uh, his new newborn child or young young child. So um, like I said, maybe Sam Houston State, something like that wouldn't be a bad bad play for him. Uh, I, I'm a big Terrence Gibson fan. I loved him when he was in high school. I got a chance to watch him live. I thought he was dynamic. He's a playmaker. He's competitive. Uh, he's got a strong arm. 
uh, and and he was just kind of up and down at SMU. I think um, that was the big thing. I think that held him back from you know seeing I think more consistent reps um, and certainly taking a, a stranglehold on the backup quarterback job it was just consistency. So best of luck to Terrence Gibson. Uh, like I said, was always a big fan. Uh, too bad it didn't work out at SMU, and he'll be moving on. Now, uh, moving on to kind of the final thoughts on the SMU-Navy game. I, I think one thing stood out to me is is the rushing totals, and Navy threw a lot of different things at SMU uh, that I don't think they were expecting. I mean, first and foremost, you look at the amount of passing Navy did. That was pretty surprising for the most part. SMU secondary had a really tough uh, evening, I would say, uh, for the most part. Uh, when, when Navy did pass, they picked up trunk yards. Uh, they picked up first downs very few times did they drop back and, and look downfield and not complete pass so it was kind of a rough rough day for for Navy passing the ball but I'll say this and a lot of people will probably just complain anyway but if Navy's passing the ball it their odds are pretty slim that they're going to beat you I mean and you look at the the games in the past from when Navy has played SMU and Sonny Dykes talked about this when you stop it, when you're stopping the dive, which SMU was, I very rarely did Navy run the true dive, um, really against SMU for the most part. Uh, they just they just didn't have it going, uh, and and once they stopped that, that SMU was able to really control the edges, and they kind of were able to hem them in for the most part. Um, look, Navy got off to a great start. Everyone obviously freaked out, pushed the panic button, but SMU settled in. They they made some adjustments against the screens. Uh, they changed some of the eye. Uh, points and eye keys for their defensive linemen and from there SMU was dominant I mean in in just about every facet so uh, SMU got the big break with the field goal at the end of the half why don't you kneel that uh, Ken Niamatololo I don't know but anyway they fumble SMU gets it with one tick left and Chris Nagar uh, boots a field goal so big big halftime lead uh, for SMU and they rode that to the win really Um, so I think when you look at what SMU did defensively, that's the thing that stands out to me the most. And then I'll look to the running game with Tyler Levine and Ulysses Bentley uh, being able to really put it together. And if you look at Bentley too, and this is what impressed me the most about Bentley's game, is that Navy's a really tough, hard-nosed physical defense. And I know SMU put up about 550 yards on them, but those guys play hard, they play their tails off, and they hit. They love to hit. Navy has always been physical. And Ulysses Bentley was dishing it out. And that bodes well. Um, I think a depleted Temple team this weekend, just kind of looking ahead, that's going to be a positive for SMU. They've got a chance to continue to build off that. And then the showdown for Tulsa, which will now be uh, really a a bye week for Tulsa this coming weekend with their game against Navy postponed. Um, SMU will has a chance to be really riding high confidence-wise going up to Tulsa. I do like SMU's early chances in that one. I know Tulsa's been really good, really strong uh, in pretty much every game they've played this year. Uh, but I, I think SMU's going to be able to figure it out. It's going to be one of those games, and we're looking obviously two weeks down that road now, but it's going to be one of those game that games that probably just pisses the Pony Stampede message board off. Uh, Tulsa's always tough to play against for SMU, uh, and so I'm just buckling in for that already. But you look at... Um, Certainly what uh, Temple is going through with the COVID cases and their depletion uh, on all fronts, starting quarterback out, top two running backs out, um, corners out. SMU has a chance to make a statement this weekend and really, really, really uh, put the pedal down and certainly get uh, 
Derek Green into the game and some of the backups. That's where I think you've got to be careful. Obviously, I mean, the our message board is talking about it where, you know, this is a good opportunity. SMU should be able to, you know, put the pedal down, like I said, and get backups into the game. SMU's got to be able to, to make sure the team doesn't get ahead of themselves, doesn't put the cart before the horse uh, on that one because Temple's athletic. They are tough. Uh, they're having a, a rough go with COVID, uh, but Rod Carey does know Kevin Kane from working together. There's some certainly some ties between the two staffs. They've got to be ready to go uh, in this one. And so um, it's a tough one. 11 a.m. in Philly. Uh, you're not playing on a nationally televised game. You're on ESPN+. Plus. You got moved. So, you know, the extra days after the Navy game will help SMU. Gets Danny Gray a little bit more healthy. Uh, gives, some, gives them some more time to plan for Temple. Uh, but overall, I mean, you've got to like what SMU was able to do against Navy last week. Uh, there were some there were some moments where you certainly, uh, you know, didn't like what you saw in the fourth quarter and SMU kind of taking its foot off the gas and, you know, allowing the game to get closer. But you can't really complain with the way SMU took the punch in the mouth from Navy and responded. Uh, that was what I think the doctor ordered after Cincinnati. Uh, so a good win for SMU on that front. Uh, now you look ahead to Temple and and like I said, they're they're without a lot of a lot of their key contributors. So I don't even know what type of team they're going to roll out. I think Rod, Rod Carey made the joke that, you know, they're going to be rolling out there. Uh, they had a, they had a linebacker practicing kicking or punting this week or something like that. So uh, it's an opportunity for SMU to roll. I think roll big. Um, I would say 52. Uh, and I haven't even checked the weather in Philly, but I know it's a little chilly, but I don't think it's going to be uh, bad. I'll check it right now before I make the final prediction. But I would think somewhere in the 52 17 range is, is what you're looking at. Oh my gosh, it's going to be beautiful, guys. High of 72, low 46. If you're playing at 11 a.m., uh, that's, uh, like I said, that's about what the doctor ordered uh, for a college football game in Philadelphia in uh, early November. So uh, SMU should be able to take a handle on this thing and, and get it rolling and win big over Temple uh, and, and be able to take care of business. But uh, look, guys, I, I think that we put the button on on the Navy game. Um, obviously, that's coming off of a disappointing loss to Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati was just far more physical than SMU. SMU wasn't ready for the prime time uh, stage in that regard. Um, but look, I mean, that Cincinnati team beat the hell out of Memphis. And SMU beat Memphis. I think SMU left points out there against Memphis. Had a chance that uh, that thing really could have been run away with. But Memphis is a good team. But it just kind of shows, and I, I think especially for three and a half quarters, you know, how, how good SMU is. And it's not always pretty, and especially in this day and age and, and this year, it's not always pretty. But SMU is a good football team. They've managed to piece together the, the record they have this year. And it's not, you know, non-conference wasn't as dominant as people wanted it to be. And, you know, they're breaking a new offense coordinator and a new defensive scheme and this and that. Uh, and they lost, you know, two big pieces in Reggie Robertson and TJ McDaniel. But you look up, they're in the top 25. They've beaten who they've really, I would say they they really should have beaten on their schedule so far. And uh, they're starting to kind of hit their stride in a way. I think the defensive line is emerging big time for SMU. You look at Mike Williams and Junior Ajo and uh, Devere Levelston and Elijah Chapman's been great. Terrence, Terrence Newman had his best game of the year. Uh, like I said, SMU has a chance to, you know, win out down the stretch here. And, um, you know, a win against Temple would be great and you move on. But, uh, you know, just kind of enjoy this because it's it's getting to the point now where you're talking about that AAC you know, championship game appearance. It's real. It's it's uh, 
if they can get by Tulsa, you know, in two weeks, uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be right there in front of them. So anyway, we're going to wrap up uh, with the football team talk. We're going to come back. I'm going to give some thoughts on recruiting, uh, some interesting notes to pass along on that front, and then uh, we'll wrap up with uh, the injury news to your and a uh, SMU's new addition in the front court. We'll do that on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the pony stampede podcast thanks for joining us quick reminder guys to leave us a rating leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast want to hear from you guys on what you want to see or I should say here on the pod so anyway uh, moving on to some recruiting news I think for SMU football got a few things I want to touch on it one um, like I said Preston Stone uh, off to a big big start to his senior year Um, he has been dominant in every every fashion um, but he's been doing so with some help and I want to spotlight Austin Uke and I and I I hope I'm saying that right I'll I'll uh get Austin on the phone here soon and uh, be able to you know confirm that but Austin UK who's a uh, he's committed right now to Holy Cross um, but look he's been blowing up uh, with his film at left tackle for Parish Episcopal uh, and he's somebody that SMU jumped into the mix for as the first FBS program to offer him uh, on October 27th so last week they jumped into the mix 
I quickly put my crystal ball prediction on SMU to land him. Those ties between Parish Episcopal and SMU, very strong. But here's the thing, Florida State, Vanderbilt, Tulane, Texas, uh, programs like that. Mississippi State has been monitoring him. And I think he's about to really blow up uh, with offers. And so um, if you look at what he's got going on with himself right now, and Gabe Brooks, our recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, covers Texas uh, and the Midlands uh, about as well as anybody. Uh, he's the best. Um, broke him down on our Pony Stampede message board and what stands out about him. Uh, he's about six foot four, a little bit shade above that. He's about 265, 270, which is a nice, solid weight to be at with where he's at. But here's the thing. 81 and a half inch wingspan. That's about six, nine and a half. Uh, and it, that's elite uh, at the offensive tackle front. Uh, so SMU loves him at o- offensive tackle. Uh, he's really high on the offer, I think, with Preston Stone and Jaden Jones, the defensive end who's committed to SMU as well. Uh, this is one to really keep an eye on for SMU because he's been terrific as a senior. He's going to blow up. I do like SMU to land him. Uh, and when you look at SMU and where they're at with their offensive line recruiting, and I'll kind of spotlight that and where it stands, we've we've you know been monitoring for so long. Uh, Savion Bird, the four-star top 100 offensive tackle out of Duncanville, got a chance to watch him a couple weeks ago. He was terrific as he makes the transition back to offensive tackle after playing defensive line last year. But if you look at where they're at in terms of offensive line recruiting, it's it's been pretty quiet. Okay, they've got a lot of their offers uh, have you know committed elsewhere, or they opted not to uh, press for a lot of those guys. I think for the most part, and now you see them really zeroing in on I would call it a trio or so of offensive linemen uh, who are uncommitted. And I would start with Savion Bird, obviously top fifty overall prospect on the twenty four seven Sports composite. I've got my crystal ball prediction on SMU. Oklahoma has taken the crystal ball lead on that front. LSU is very involved there. Um, They had him on a visit. Oklahoma had him on a visit with his parents. SMU had him on campus as well. Um, All of these visits, by the way, player-led, so they can't, uh, you know, see the coaching staff or anything like that. But, you know, for Savion Bird, I I still like SMU's chances a lot to land him. Uh, He has been around SMU about as much as you can possibly be around if you're a prospect, and especially now, you know, his first opportunity to see SMU and to get back on campus he was there. And I think that stands out to me the most about where his recruitment is at. Uh, And for him, he wants to play the process out. We'll see if he does that. Uh, But he's talked about taking official visits. The dead period runs until January 1. But then from there, you go from Savion Bird to now Austin Uke. And if you look at those two guys, and even after the offensive line class SMU signed in 2020, those two are your bookend tackles, for, for the next however many years. You know, once Jalen Thomas is gone, Bo Morris has a chance to maybe move on, maybe stay another year, depending on the eligibility deal next year. But, I mean, you look at those two guys, and they're talented enough. They really are. They're, they're really talented enough to play right away. And so I could see that being the case. If you look at Austin Uke with his length, and uh, we don't have verified wingspan on Savion Bird, but Savion Bird could step in right away for Bo Morris and on the flip side, Austin Uke could spend a year in the weight room and bulk up and play that left tackle spot once Jalen Thomas leaves if he does, in, in fact, like in, exhaust his eligibility after the 2021 season instead of 
because uh, he got the extra year, so technically he wouldn't exhaust it. But if he opts to move on, I should say, and go on to the NFL level because he is an all-conference tackle. Uh, he's been playing like it for the most part. Um, obviously, this year is kind of weird for offensive linemen overall, but that's another story. And then it's Remington Strickland, who they're basically at this point swinging for the fences on. Michigan's offered him. Uh, there are plenty of Power 5 programs now in the mix for him. Uh, Houston, Michigan, Oklahoma, uh, Memphis. Those are kind of his top schools along with SMU. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if Texas got into the mix there with an offer. So those are the trio of offensive linemen to watch for SMU. At this point, I think Savion Bird, Austin UK. if that's your two offensive linemen in this 2021 class, call it a day, sign them, seal them, deliver them. That's about as good as, as it gets for SMU, especially after the class that they signed last year. So that was your offensive line update for SMU. Looking pretty bright with Austin Uke and uh, you know Savion Bird right now. So keep an eye on that as we move forward. Now, uh, I am going to see Duran Bradley, uh, the DeSoto wide receiver. Uh, as you're listening to this, could be Friday, could be Thursday, I'm going to be seeing him on Friday. They play Cedar Hill, so that should be a fun little matchup. Get a chance to see former SMU running backs coach Claude Mathis and his crew take on the always good uh, Cedar Hill uh, Longhorns over there. Um, so I'm excited about that. Duran Bradley is somebody we're still monitoring really closely uh, as far as SMU and potentially flipping him from Texas Tech. He's a four-star wide receiver, would be a big body for the ponies to add out there. Now, you look at um, David Abiara, and I want to spotlight him just because he did run into a little bit of a um, little bit of legal trouble. Uh, he was arrested for um, criminal trespass, and it was uh, with an intent, I believe, um, uh, booked on sp- suspicion of burglary with intent to commit a felony. Uh, the charges were filed as the lesser offense of trespassing, according to the court record. So he's got some things to work through. He's been committed to Notre Dame for a long time now. Oklahoma's the crystal ball leader as far as flipping him right now. I'm interested to see what SMU does as far as uh, how they approach him. I wouldn't call him, especially with the way they've been recruiting now on the defensive line. I wouldn't necessarily call him a need. I mean, when you look at what SMU has on the defensive line front, uh, it, let's say they do, in fact, land Braylon Jackson, who we have crystal ball pick uh, picks in to land uh, him. Then you fast forward, and um, or you, I guess you re- rewind to who they've already landed, and that's Jalen Samuels, who's SMU's uh, one, two, three, fourth highest rated uh, prospect in the 2021 class on the composite. On 24-7 sports, I believe he's the number two uh, rated prospect in the class, uh, 6'7", 225. He's a defensive end, most likely. Could bulk up, maybe becomes a freak inside. You've got Stone Abbey, who's been having a terrific senior year. He could play inside or out. You've got Jaden Jones, 6'4", 225. He's that Stang linebacker defensive end that they that they wanted in this class. So if you look at those three already and they get Braylon Jackson, I mean, do you take a chance on him after – after David, do you take a chance on David Abiara after uh, his run-in with with the law? I mean, that's something for SMU to work out. I I don't know. I haven't dug in yet, but we'll certainly be monitoring that. But as far as SMU's defensive line recruiting, it's been terrific this this cycle. I think all of the guys they have committed, and if they do in fact get Braylon Jackson on board, if they get him committed. I mean, they're they're an athletic group. 
uh, and that's the big thing that stands out. And so the defensive line turnover that they'll have uh, getting to that group, um, gosh, between the group that they signed last year and, uh, and and this year, it's going to be a pretty bright future on defensive line for SMU. So with that, I think that's uh, pretty much it for the most part on the recruiting news front that I really wanted to touch on uh, with this uh, update for you guys. But uh, we're going to kind of do a recruiting reset, I think, next week early, kind of dig, dig deep into just about everybody, uh, how things could go down the stretch, maybe anybody else to watch there. Um, but for the most part, that's what I wanted to touch on on the pod. Now I want to get to your and a uh, on the basketball side of things. So if you guys want, you can turn this off or you can um, you know, keep listening. But pretty important news. Your and a has a wrist infection uh, in his left wrist. Um, and that's coming from sources. He's expected to be out until mid-December at least. So he's going to miss the first few weeks of the season. I don't know when he'll be back. I don't know the severity of it. We haven't had Tim Jankovic for a media availability. I'm trying to get him for like a preseason preview deal um, with us. But um, this is big. This is the shot blocker that they wanted. They're still waiting on his NCAA waiver. Um, But now, obviously, um, they'll be continuing to wait for that while he recovers from this wrist infection. It, it, It probably changes the way SMU plays like the first few weeks of the season. I mean, they were really relying on him to eat a ton of minutes, uh, block shots, uh, create, you know, a true rim protector for this defense. And uh, he's capable on the offensive end for the most part. Um, but what they were really relying on him to do is, is be that rim protector, block shots, um, and allow Ethan Chagua to move out outside and have it been have it be him and uh, Isaiah JC in the middle of the defense. And now you've got to have you know, probably Ethan Chagua moved down inside a little bit more and Fran Hunt, you know, move, move down inside a little bit more and kind of, you know, do it by committee, I would say. So that's something we'll be monitoring as the season gets closer, but uh, saw that bad news on uh, UNA and, and got that uh, broken out there for you guys uh, earlier uh, this week. It might've been, yeah, it was earlier this week. So anyway, wanted to touch on that. Um, we're waiting for the rest of the SMU basketball schedule to be released. Hopefully should uh, come very, very soon. But um, until then, uh, we will uh, save the basketball talk until, um, you know, until next time or whenever it gets closer. But football season's rolling now, so I want to keep the pod for the most part on that. But with that, guys, gone on for a while now. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the pod. We're going to be back, more regular podcast now. I, we just kind of got caught up in the lost days of COVID. So hope everybody's been uh, safe during all this election stuff and uh, you know, had a good week and, and looking forward to a little uh, mimosas, little brunch with SMU Temple, 11 a.m. Central, ESPN Plus. So if you can't watch the game, come over, chat about it, get the live updates on Pony Stampede. We'll be there for you guys. Quick reminder, guys, to just subscribe to Pony Stampede. We had a ton of people jump on last month and uh, people really enjoy it, I think. Yeah. So give it a shot. Just a dollar for your first month. That'd carry you pretty much all the way up until uh, the AAC title game if SMU makes it. So With that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and have a good one. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! 
Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.